I wanted to be visible, you know what I mean? Um, both for people who were coming up in the field and wanted to know that, that you know, is it okay to be gay and cover baseball? To the Outfield Podcast, episode 25. I am your host, Matt Lichten's daughter. I am introducing myself because it could be somebody's first podcast, first chance you listen to the Outfield Podcast, but also I haven't done one of these shows in nearly three months, and that's not good. But let's not focus on the past. Let's focus on the present. And since we're in October, it's time for the baseball postseason. There's been a lot of awesome news about out people in baseball. I decided to get somebody who is very familiar with baseball and also being out in the world of sports media. Nick Stellini, you might have seen him on Twitter. He's written for The Athletic, NBC Sports, a bunch of places. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, I would say you're doing well, but I take it you're a Yankees fan, so maybe not so well. Um, last night was a, was a bit of a journey. Um, I'm doing all right now. I, I can't say I was totally surprised by um, what happened last night. If you're not listening the day this is published, um, last night was the American League wildcard game. Um, and the Yankees lost in rather decisive fashion to the Boston Red Sox. And it was kind of the culmination of every little problem the Yankees have had over the course of the season all roll into one. Um, and yeah, I, I, I jokerized myself for a little bit, but after that I was fine. Um, like I said, I wasn't entirely surprised. I, I mean, I, I was, I was expecting good things from the game, but, but you know, having watched this team all year, I, I, I couldn't really be stunned by the performance that they put on. I root for the Mets, man. This is... no. I'm sorry. Look, look, I also root for the Jaguars. Do you think I'm having a fun week? Going to deal with all this Urban Meyer bull crap? Is there some sort of masochism thing going on here? or I just I might have Stockholm Syndrome. I don't know. I mean, okay. I could go over the other teams I root for, but let's not do that because then I'd, I'd derail the show. This I would love to spend all this time talking about uh, how, how much we hate our teams that we like, but that's not the focus here. Uh, the focus here is talking with people about being out in sports as you are. And for some people, they might not know who you are unless they follow you in the world of baseball Twitter in case they're very familiar with you. But for those who, uh, out there are not tell everyone a little about yourself to introduce them uh, to you. So, um, I'm a baseball writer, editor, person. Um, my current job, I edit a little bit of everything to not just baseball, but, um, by and large, the large part of my work has been in baseball. And I've like like you said at the top of the show, I've written for the Athletic, Fangraphs, um, NBC Sports, a uh, little bit, little bit all over the place. Baseball, baseball perspectives as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm mostly a blogger, editor, columnist, whatever you know, whatever throws at the wall sticks. That's me. Um, and yeah, and that's always fun to interview more people who are sports journalists who are out. There are more of them now, and. Uh... To talk a little about you and your story, tell everyone where you grew up. I mean, obviously you're a Yankees fan. That could give some people a hint, but you know, give them the idea of uh, your younger life and how you uh, decided to say, yes, I'm going to subject myself to a lifetime in the pain of sports journalism. It's funny. So um, I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey, um, stone's throw away from the city. And so that's kind of how I got, uh, you know, I, I was indoctrinated into Yankees fandom from birth. Um I did not really have much of a choice in the matter, so I was always—I always been a, um, a a baseball guy as a kid. Um, I wasn't really growing up in a—I didn't really grow up in a, a football household. There wasn't a whole lot of football on on the television. We were just baseball. Um, so that's how I 
I was always a Yankees fan, always a baseball guy growing up. And then um, when I graduated from high school, I made the very stupid decision to go to film school. And oh no, had, that's one that's one step removed from stupidity to go getting a journalism degree. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to film school and I quickly realized that I was miserable and I hated it and it wasn't cut out for me. Um, I, I, I love film and movies and stuff and I and I still have the I have a visual eye. Um, just the actual process of making the movie is like pulling teeth for me. Um, and I mean, there are still some skills I have from film school. Like, like I'm, like I still consider myself to be a pretty good video editor, and that's still a skill I deploy sometimes. Um, but just the, the film school itself was was not for me. Um, so after a few years, I just wasn't feeling great. Um, I dropped out uh, for a couple of years just to sort things out in my life, and I kind of stumbled into sports blogging by accident. And I did that for a while while I was out of school, and I realized, oh, I kind of like this, and I'm good at it. Um, and after a while, I said, screw it, I'm going to just do this. So I found my. I eventually made my way back to school, got a journalism degree, um, and now here we are. North Jersey and South Jersey. Well, I guess we have to acknowledge each other's existence here, but, you know. Yes, yes. Do you acknowledge South Jersey's existence in your daily life, or is that something I just have to bring up? So, no, it's not a matter of if, of if South Jersey exists. It's a matter of Central Jersey exists. And I, ah, I personally... Yes. Um, that, that That is the big debate. And I, I personally do think that South Jersey exists. I've been there. Um, I know people from there. It's a very small area, but it does exist. It's The way I define it is that Central Jersey is where people root for New York sports teams, but call it pork roll and not Taylor Ham. See, I never got the pork roll Taylor Ham thing. This is probably too much of Jersey. We will get to the out stuff, I promise. But since this is two people from New Jersey, we have to do this. Uh, I never got that because I guess that's just not a thing that happens in South Jersey. I don't think about it, and I never did until I got on Twitter, in which case then I started definitely caring. But I, I'm, I'm neutral on that. Well, and, so like how many diners in North Jersey have you been to? Um, Enough. Enough. <laughs> I'll say and, that. And you've, you've read the menu and, and I have, Taylor but I never looked, I never looked at that. You know, when I went, I, you know, I did the diners, but a lot of it was the Jewish delis, you see, you know, that, that, that was where I went, you know, that's, that's my family. You know, they came from New York and they eventually moved, well, they all moved to South Jersey in the end. So I guess I kind of have both, you know, a little bit gotcha. of the North Jersey, a little bit of the South Jersey kind of mixed in. Obviously I'm more South because I've lived here my entire life, but mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's the Jewish delis. I never paid attention to that. That's true. That's fair. And, and for me, Central Jersey, I guess, is that magical place between exit six-ish and eight on the turnpike, maybe? See, I, I, I don't have my eggs on the turnpike memorized. I just I just kind of have a general sense of where I am. Um, I, I'm, I, know, I, I, I know I'm a bad Jersey resident because of that, because I, I can't tell you exactly what exit things are on the turnpike, but oh well. I, I've done those drives enough to be able to now say pretty much what they are. I mean, you know, once you've once you've done it enough, you have to uh, be able to kind of articulate that pretty quickly. And having done the drive from south to north more often than I would have liked to have done, uh, I got very used to it. And what I mean, I don't use it unless I have to. But then when I have to, it, somebody once made a joke, and it was about the turnpike, and I was just like, you know, hell is the place between exit whatever on the. I think that was wasn't that Jason Stark that said that once. Or some, somebody said, made a funny joke about the turnpike. Hell is the place between exit something or other on the turnpike. Whatever. This is too much New Jersey talk at once. I think for some people you're going to get turned off by that. Which you would because it's New Jersey and why should you care unless you're here. Uh, let's talk about you yourself as an out journalist and that evolution for you. Because that's something that also goes hand in hand with 
figuring out that you want to be a part of the world of sports journalism. And when you're younger, those things, being out and understanding your sexuality and being a big fan of sports, might not often go together. So what was that process like for you in understanding it and exploring it? So I should say I should say right at the top of this. Um, my experience as a queer person within the world of sports and sports media is um, markedly different than what some other people might, might experience. Um, I am a very um, cis presenting, hetero presenting um, dude, white guy for that matter. I mean, I, I'm, I'm part Latina, but I'm, I'm also white presenting. Um, so because of that, um, I, I don't, I don't, I've never personally felt that my sexuality has ever been at least a professional hindrance. At least if it has been, I don't know that about it. Um, I don't know if there are jobs I've applied to that I haven't gotten because they have a little rainbow flag emoji in my Twitter bio. Um, I, I would like to think that there hasn't been, but who knows? Um, so I, I, I want to say that right at the top that I am, my experience as a queer person within sports media and the world of sports is markedly different and um i i have not had to deal with the amount of crap that some of the people have had to um and I'm, and I'm and i'm fortunate because of that um and a lot of that is tied into again like i said but the my privilege of being a cisgendered heteroprojecting white guy um now and i, I also say that um, the at least the, the, the circles I run in in terms of like friendship and stuff uh, inside outside of professional relationships and other um, friendships I have within the industry, um, everybody that I've I've encountered for the most part has been incredibly um, progressive and accepting, and I think that's partly because I came up through a very non traditional um, path to where I am in sports media, and I, I, to be clear, I'm not talking as if I'm you know the league columnist for the New York times or whatever. Um, I, I am extremely not that I, I, like I said, I've, I've been very bloggy. I have done some actual reporting. I have violence at, at some pretty nice places, but I, I'm, I'm not Ken Rosenthal. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I came up through a very non-traditional format. Um, I, I started with blogs and stuff at SB nation and then debate baseball perspectives. And then from there, um, and, I, I wasn't, you know, grinding out internships at tiny little newspapers um, in the middle of nowhere, or I, I, you know, random TV stations in the middle of nowhere. That wasn't that's that wasn't my path. Um, I also didn't go to, like, I'm sure if you are an avid follower of sports media, at least on Twitter, you notice that half the people in the industry seem to have come from Syracuse or Northwestern or Arizona State or whatever. Boy, you're telling me. <laughs> um, that wasn't me. I, I I went to a small state school. Um, that I went to, I, I got my journalism degree there because it's where I started my film degree. And I didn't feel like trying to transfer credits. It was just easiest that way because I wanted to get it done as soon as possible. Um, so I, I, I wasn't writing for the Daily Orange and and, and doing all that. Um, my, my path here has been very non-traditional and, and, and very, very unorthodox. Like, like I, I got into this by accident and I just kept doing it because I, I finally found something I could, I could do that I was good at. Um, so I didn't really necessarily interface with the more rigid, you know, entrenched old guard of, of, of the media world and, and, and newspapers and all that stuff. I haven't really dealt with that. The editors I've, I've worked with have been, you know, 
wonderful people. I'm not saying people, old core people are wonderful, to be clear. Um, the, the writers, all the editors I've worked with, the, the writers I've interfaced with, either as colleagues or at conferences or people I've met out on the, out on the beat or whatever. Um, they've all been really wonderful. And, and I'm, I'm incredibly lucky for that. But that, again, that's also because I am a heterosis presenting white guy. And for the longest time, I didn't even mention that I was queer on, on Twitter or, I mean, I would tell people I was friendly with if it came up in conversation, but I, I was never somebody who um, felt the need to like, shout it from the rooftops if that makes sense um and, and part of that was because of fear of professional rem, you know ramifications um i didn't want to I, I was thinking about the future and the jobs that i might want to apply to at the more old guardy stuffy places and just worried that you know hiring managers or hr people would see that and and you know you're legally not allowed to throw out resumes of course because that sort of stuff but we all know what happens um and yeah and just just stories i've heard about you know people in sports media i mean and even not just stories i've heard like i'm sorry like if you just you know sit on twitter or read, read people's work or whatever you see that a lot of sports media and this has changed a lot in the last five years and it's awesome to see that but a lot of sports media was still very fairly conservative older white guys and you read things that wrote in the 90s and you, and you, and you, you, you seize up inside, you know? Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I just, I was, I didn't feel the need to shout it from the rooftops and I also didn't want to get screwed. So um, I kept this myself for a while and, and I think it just naturally came up at one point. I forget how, I, how it happened. Um, it just naturally came up at one point and I mentioned it in a tweet and I said, oh wait, I think I just came out um, publicly <laughs> at least. Um, and so that, that's just how it is. And, and over the last few years, um, especially the last year in particular during quarantine and stuff, I, I, it was really something that um, I started really, I, 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 don't, I don't know the right way to say this. I, I, I don't, I, it was something that I started really wanting to get more and tune with i think um because i've known since high school i, I I've, I've known since high school i've been out to it like a couple of my closest friends since high school um but i know it was always something that i was a little too nervous or anxious to like fully embrace um and again it was never something i particularly hit either if somebody asked me about it i would tell the truth um but i don't know it was always just like this like unknown thing that um, I was I was anxious about interfacing with and, and really getting in touch with, um, but last year or two it's it really it's really something that I've I've become much more in touch with and that I'm proud of and I've, I've never, not that I've never not been proud of it but um, yeah it, it just it's 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 something I felt more strongly and. Um, so I, I'm open about it now, and um, if there's some job I don't get because of that, then I didn't really want that job anyway. Um, and yeah, it's a good point. If if you're not hired by somebody because of that, that it's probably a horrible job and you shouldn't have been there anyway. But I think that your concerns are valid. You know, I was in college before all of this became much more widely accepted, and the proliferation of queer people in this space got much, much better. 
And for me personally, I didn't come out because I wanted to get the career stuff done first. And my career has been a challenge. And I said, I'll get the job and then I'll come out publicly because then I've taken care of the really hard stuff first and the other hard stuff, which would be coming out and doing all of that would be secondary. But then I ended up doing it a little bit backwards because I came out because I just got sick and tired of waiting and I got sick and tired of waiting for the job stuff to get better. And it's a good thing I did that because the pandemic would have thrown it all off and it, and it did. Um, you, you, by the way, identify as bi, pansexual, whatever term you feel best fits. Yeah, I, 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 I throw them in the same bucket. So, yeah, I, I, I think the best way of saying it is I'm not straight. <laughs> and, Which um, is perfectly acceptable. And yeah. I will take it as 100% valid. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Um, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what the right word is. And at the end of the day, I don't think it matters that much. Um, whatever label you, 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 the listener, chooses to identify with is great. Go for it. Um, for me personally, I don't know what to the absolute right way to say it, and I, I, you know that I don't lose that much sleep over it. Um, typically, in public spaces, um, I will use "by" with in with public spaces or with family, or whatever, just because it's easier to explain. Um, that, like that, that that is a word that most people comprehend and, and guess. Um, when you start throwing pansexual around, again, nothing is wrong with that, and really, I think that might be closer to what I am. Um, you know, that's just a longer conversation with my parents that I really just don't feel like having. Um, I completely get it. There are a lot of people out there who aren't knee deep into this stuff. And at a point, if you have to feel like you need to explain it, it's not a comfortable conversation. So I take these terms to mean pretty much the same thing, but it's also in the end, a matter of what you feel best identifying yeah. as and what anybody else thinks that is not relevant yeah like i really started gravitating towards pansexual as a label because there are absolutely non-binary people i'm quite attracted to and um i would absolutely I, i've never been with a non-binary person either just you know casually or in a relationship whatever um but that's not something i'm, I'm opposed to either and you know there are a lot of people who say bisexual is a catch-all label and you can totally be into non-binary people or whatever um or agendered people as a bisexual person. And I, I, I completely agree, but it's also just, I, I don't know. Um, the label feels more comprehensive and that's really why I kind of move towards it. But it, at the end of the day, it does not truly matter to me personally. Um, I am what I am and that's, what, that's all I care about. As I have said previously, if you are on the rainbow emoji in some way, shape or form, you can be here. This is a perfectly fair space for anybody of all labels. I don't care. And I can't define you, only you can define you. I use bisexual because I thought it just fit. And when I heard the term for the first time, as I was trying to figure out, it just like, that seems about right to me. That, that, that works. And I've just gone with it. But whatever the label is for you is whatever the label is for you. And so did you ever feel, I mean, you went to film school and obviously... You know, there's a different world, film school versus sports journalism. But did you ever feel at times, as you've talked about, worrying about your sexuality being a hindrance in a world that can be a little conservative and stuffy at times, particularly in the world of baseball, a world of tradition that is kind of immovable? Uh, did you ever feel that you had to not not hide it, but just say, no, nah, I, I can't really talk about this? Or did you ever put off trying to figure these things out for yourself? because of the career path you found yourself in? 
Um, so you're absolutely right about the about the vibe with with uh, film students being different than with um, some journalism students, particularly journalism students who are really into sports media and stuff. Um, again, I, I, I've met some wonderful people through um, the journalism program I, I, I finished, um, and I'm still friends with, with a few of them, and they're wonderful people, and even the ones I'm not great. There were also some people, especially in the more sports these classes, where I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about this in this room. Um, not out of fear, just because of, like, I, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to start, start doing anything about, like that. I just, I just, you, you know sometimes, you just know. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up about this. And not that I feared, you know, violence or, or, you know, getting screamed at or whatever, but you can tell, you know. Um, film school, my my film school friends who I'm still close with are the archetypical weird artsy kids who smoke a lot and are super chill about literally everything and I love them to death. Um, I, I had zero problems coming out to any of them. Um, they're they're, yeah, they're they're wonderful. Um, but yeah, the vibe is definitely different. Um, you. you you don't worry about talking about your sexuality as much in the art school as opposed to the more sporty communication school classes sometimes. Um, and that's a reflection on the school I went to and in terms of fostering an accepting environment because I think they actually did a very good job with that. Um, but yeah, you, you just know sometimes. And you know so those kids who you, you're in a class with who you know that you maybe not want to talk about your sexuality with um they go on to have you know careers in the in the industry and you know you meet those kids whether from your school or from some other school across the country you're going to write to them in your in your professional path at some point and like the few times i've been in a press box i have i mean not that it's come up and if it did come up i, I don't know if i would have been honest or not um or it would just change the subject but it wasn't something i was in a rush to bring up either um yeah and i i've met some I have some very good friends who I've been in a press box with and who know, and I, I, I've, I'm close with them. They know. Um, but in the moment when, when I don't know, I don't necessarily know the guy sitting next to me that I'm not going to necessarily bring it up. I have always said like, it's on my Twitter page. The first thing you'll look for, if you Google me as my Twitter page, it's, it's a pin tweet. You know, that was always been my philosophy. If you want to know, you can find it out pretty easily. You know, I've said my piece. You know, I can talk about it if you want, but it's public knowledge. It's in the public domain. And with you, it's also the same, because if you put your rainbow emoji in your bio, everybody can figure it out. And if you have a visible enough Twitter presence, people can, can figure that out. But for you, I, I want to know if you've just felt the vibe change. And you've mostly fo focused on baseball, so we'll talk about baseball here. And it's a sport that I have not talked all that much about on this podcast, and that's a shame. Although... With recent news, I'm going to hopefully be able to do that more. It's always been a sport I've enjoyed, but I've just not been able to get to talk to the people who are out in baseball. So for you, have you felt the vibe change covering baseball in this the last couple of years in terms of the acceptance of it? Because if I think about the sports where, you know, that being out would have been trickier in a press box, one of the ones I would think would be the trickiest would probably be the sport of stuffy old traditions and old crusty colonists, and that would be baseball. So, I, I think the vibe definitely has changed in a few ways. So, um, over the last four or five years or so, and you can partly talk uh, point to um, the rise of the athletic as part of this. Um, but also just you know, just the, whatever new fresh crop of 
journalism school kids have been coming out of schools and getting jobs covering baseball. Um, it's a much more diverse group, not to say that it's it's diverse enough because it's really not, but it's there's been a much more diversity that I've noticed. Um, and with that diversity become, has come a, um, a much more progressive attitude, I think. Um, I, I, I think that it's, it's become much more progressive in baseball circles. I think that I don't know how I don't know how comfortable I'd, I'd be, I, w- I wouldn't really talk about it with players. <laughs> like if, if one of them asked me, I, I would probably answer, answer truthfully. Um, but it's not something I'd be in a rush to talk about inside a clubhouse. Like it, it, t- talking about it with a writer in a press box, talking about it with another writer inside the clubhouse is two very different things, and I wouldn't want to do it inside the clubhouse um, because baseball is still a very conservative sport for the most part, but that is changing. Um, I think that, like, I, I don't think we're that far away from the first active major leaguer coming out. Um, I, I think that will happen at some point in the next 10 years, if not sooner. Um, but... Yeah, like 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 you said, baseball is definitely a, a sport of tradition and very crusty, and you need to act white is kind of the, the most important rule in baseball. Um, like I said, that's changing too, but it's still a thing in a lot of circles, and especially with a lot of clubhouses in particular. Um, so I, I do think that of the four major sports, baseball is not the most hostile and that sort of thing i think i'd probably go with football or hockey for that it's um, hockey it's definitely hockey yeah, yeah i apologize just, for basically making that a meme on this show but it's a meme yeah um it's probably hockey um it, 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 i mean it 100 percent it is hockey i can tell yeah. you that if you have listened to the outfield podcast in previous episodes and i encourage you to do that you will find that it is definitely hockey but that's okay um Again, I don't want to derail all of these discussions and basically say hockey sucks, but at times I have to derail it and say, yeah, hockey ain't too good. Although although even this summer, we saw the sport finally get out of its own way, at least for a few days. Yeah, that that only lasted a couple days. (laughs) I mean, it lasted a couple days, but that's longer than I had normally assumed, which would have been five minutes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like like, like, like I said, it's in my Twitter bio. Um, I felt it was something that, you know, because... I put the emoji in my Twitter bio like months after like coming out in a tweet. Um, because like I always thought like, like this is the horrible term for it, but I always had a very much, a don't ask, don't tell policy where like, if you ask about it, I'm going to say something, but if not, then like, I don't think it's like the defining trait of who I am. You know what I mean? Like they're like, they're they're I'm not the kind of person who's going to drape myself in the flag in the rainbow flag and be out and very gay and very queer and i'm like that's not me and there's nothing wrong with that but that's that's just not me um and i've, I've never felt the need to you know like i said really shout from the rooftops about it but after a while i like i i just i i wanted to be visible you know what i mean um both for people who were coming up in the field and wanted to know that, that you know is it okay to be gay and cover baseball and Secondly, I wanted to, I don't know, defiance isn't the right term. It's a very, very much not the right term, but um, I, I wanted to put myself out there. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to, I, I want people to know that about who I am and how that impacts my coverage. Um, I want people to know that, um, I just want people to know. And, um, 
I'm not talking about it constantly, but it, it's just a little reminder and a little note that says this is who I am. And um, if you have a problem with that, go to hell. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. But I also think it informs your perspective on certain stories. And I will talk about some of those stories in just a second because in the last, what, like two, three weeks, we've seen more progress on active players in baseball coming out than we've seen in the past 20 years. So I will want to talk about that. I think it's more important now than ever before because these are these are stories that are going to happen and particularly let's focus on this when it comes to covering people coming out in the sport as we have just seen happen at baseball multiple times for some writers the traditional baseball writer set it's very hard for them to cover stories such as this because it's not something that they have a lived experience with and I learned this when you dealt with the people coming out in other sports and you would see pitfalls in coverage because people would miss details that people like us would go, oh, we saw that and you're just never going to have seen that in your life and experienced it in your life. And so for you, I think that saying it is very important because it adds a layer of authenticity to cover a story such as what we have just seen in baseball with Kieran Lovegrove and what we may see in the future. Because, not saying that a straight writer couldn't cover this, but when a queer writer or a queer journalist can cover this, you can ask questions that you wouldn't be able to ask if you were a straight writer because you covered from that lived experience. And I think that is, in baseball, a sport that does not have a lot of representation in this area, I think that's pretty important. Because it allows people in that sport and in those clubhouses where a lot of them have been deeply closeted for years to feel a little bit more comfortable in a way that they might not have been with somebody who is straight. So I, I do want to make down one thing. First and foremost, I'm incredibly happy for Karen Lovegrove. It's awesome that he came out. Um, it's wonderful. He did so as he was you know, retiring from the sport. Um, like he said that he told some teammates in the past and that they were cool with it. And that's great. That's, that's awesome. Um, but I, he was, he made, he was comfortable doing it as he was on his way out of the sport. Um, which is very different from, um, doing it as coming out as a player who is both active within the game and still trying to get up to the big leagues. Um, or, or is already at the big leagues. Um, there was still a certain level of comfort there. And I'm not. I'm not trying to diminish Kieran coming out. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say he did it the wrong way because there's no. Absolutely not. Um, it takes a lot of cojones for him to do that. Um, but it, I, I, I think it's worth noting that he was. It was happening as he was on his way out of the sport, and that's that. I think that speaks to the certain level of comfort that um, a player might have, both with the public knowing with the opposition knowing and with frankly the guy who's making the decision whether or not to call him up knowing um because you know god forbid you're in an organization with a gm or a president of baseball operations or a manager who you know to be not cool with that stuff um you're not going to come out because you want to get called up um and that's that's horrible but um I, I i'm absolutely certain that that's happened at some point um or, or or might be happening right now and um 
yeah, I, I think that's part. It's a big part of what goes in the decision to stay closeted, at least publicly, or to more than just your your friends and family and a couple teammates. Um, yeah, that that that's something that goes into that equation. Of course, and for him, I mean, he had already spent a lot of time kind of torching the baseball establishment anyway with talking about the squalid living conditions in minor league baseball. And so at that point, coming out feels secondary, even though it's not to me particularly. But, I mean, and, and I'm sure that's 100% happened. He joked about it, too. One of, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time that he said, the sport that's so statistically inclined, if you tell me I'm the only one, that's a, that's a complete lie, and I love that. Because I've given up that, some, that sort of quote in every sport. But baseball is definitely not among them. But I, I still think that for, but for those of us who follow this sport, again, the number up until the month of September had been three players who had played professional baseball that had ever come out. And that's, I mean, preposterously low for the number of people who have played professional baseball. And so for me, I will take, and maybe you think of it differently, but I've always said that anybody who can come out of any sport, whether they're retired or not, it's important because there, there is a lived experience, there is a story there, and it gives somebody a little bit of hope that they can do it, even if, you know, they had to wait until they were retired or waiting until a time, you know, not as, you know, an, somebody trying to work their way up the ladder. I, I try to not think of it in that sense because we're coming from such a low point in all sports, and baseball is one of them, that anything is good for me. And anything can help build to the point where we get to an actively out player in the majors, which is what we want to see one day. And I know you said that you said we're, we're going to see it soon. I do believe we're going to see it soon. But that's the force of gravity just with the cultures that are changing and the people who are now starting to play baseball and how they view the world. It's being different than very, very different than the people who came before. Yeah. And my, my, my guesstimate of saying that we're going to see the next 10 years, I mean, I could be completely wrong because there is so much pressure and so much outside crap that you have to deal with as you would have to deal with as an out player in baseball. Um, you know, whether it's heckling or, you know, the people in your clubhouse, people in the opposing team's clubhouse, people, I mean, I'm sorry, that guy, if that guy is an infield, he's going to get spiked at some point. Um, and that's terrible. Um, but I, I, I just, I, that's what I anticipate. And, um, yeah, it, it's you. you this social media, um, you know, the idiots on the radio or on on the the, the panel on on cable or whatever. Um, it, it, there's going to be so much that goes into that. You're going to be such become such a cultural lightning rod um, that, like, like that's not just a sports story. That's a, that's a national news story um, that's going to become a referendum on queer people in sports. Um, like God forbid that guy comes out and then has a bad season. Like it's gonna, just, you know, what, you know what I mean. Um, it, it's it's gonna be a lot, and I don't envy whoever is going to be the first one to do it. Um, but whoever's gonna be the first one to do it is gonna be much more braver than I am. Um, Although I would say we do now have an example of somebody doing it in the NFL and it becoming very not a story very quickly. So I mean, which surprised the hell out of me, frankly. Um, did it? Because it didn't for it didn't for me. It really didn't. And I guess maybe we could talk about that here because I haven't talked a lot about Carl Nassib on this show, and I've wanted to. Um, but like, it it doesn't surprise me that this has become not a story, because I think for me maybe the biggest evolution in the last couple of years has been 
The talk has not been about whether it's a distraction, because I never really believed that in the first place. The talk has been whether somebody is personally ready to do it and personally ready to just say, screw it, I have to do this for me or our community or whatever, and just did it because they felt that that was the best thing for them to do. And Carl's very quickly became not a story. You know, you, you mentioned it, you know, in, in the first game of the season, it was a brief little thing between plays. And since then it's been nothing. And, you know, we've, they've played in multiple national TV games. They're a good team this year. And it just hasn't been talked about very much. And I don't know if that's the uniqueness of this particular situation, because it possibly could be. But to me, I don't think it would be all that different in baseball. I think there might be some who would try to do it, but they get shouted down pretty quick. Like in the NFL, we saw that, and I was worried about it in hockey, and even that got shot down at times. And I was much more worried about hockey than I was worried about baseball. And perhaps being somebody who's more into baseball, as you are, you know things that I don't, having been in some of those clubhouses. But in, to back to the original point, I just I wasn't surprised that that some of these stories eventually became part of the furniture, to use a British-ism that I like, uh, as opposed to becoming a bigger story, which if this happened about a decade ago, then you're right. But I think we've changed in a pretty good way in recent times. Um, you know, that's true. That, that's definitely true. And I should also say I'm a total pessimist. Just, just I, I, I'm very much a, a fatalist, pessimist person. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that Carl Nassib has... You know, like you said, just quickly become you know just another player, um, which is frankly good. <laughs> like, 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 because that's well, what we all wanted. Yeah, like, yeah, I exactly. Said it, I said it on the first night of when I was watching that game. I was waiting to see what was said about him, and I was waiting and waiting, and then it happened, and it was a very two-minute, took five seconds, mentioned, and then we go on to the next play. That, that was the Monday Night Football broadcast, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, like, you'd see Charles Barkley show up in a Carl Nassib jersey, and it's just a very subtle way of saying, you know, we support you, this is great. And then, you know, I made the joke that it was the gay agenda that, you know, sacks Lamar Jackson, forces a fumble, and the Raiders win the game. I said that was the gay agenda, uh-huh. and it's, it is true. But to me, I think, like, that basically was it. You know, the, the thing was said, it might be said on a broadcast at some point, as somebody who's worked in sports broadcasting, I've always thought about this. And then it's just become, you know, it's just, just a thing now. You know, it's a thing as much as any other story of an individual player. And if it can happen like that in the NFL, and I know Carl's not necessarily a star, but I don't think that matters at this point. You know, if it could happen in the NFL like that, then I think it could happen in any sport. And I think baseball wouldn't be all that different in the end. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, the fundamental rhythm of the sport, because it's every day and perhaps that might be different because of the way it works in a clubhouse or the way people cover the sport. But my thought process is now is like, if, if this can happen in the NFL this way, then any other sport, it can happen that way. And I, I, I want to touch on, on, on what you said about, you know, becoming another player and, and blending in and stuff. Cause that's another part of, it's not a huge reason, but it's a, it's a small reason why I didn't talk about it a lot publicly for a while. Um, because I didn't want to get pigeonholed as the queer baseball writer. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to be a baseball writer. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to get penned in as, okay, here's the regular coverage, and then here's the coverage from the queer guy. Um, 
I, I didn't, I didn't want that. Um, I just want to be another baseball writer who happens to be queer. Um, as I, I, cause, cause I don't want to have that define me for people. I, and I don't want that to like, I just, I don't, it's, it's a part of who I am and it's an important part of who I am, but it's not something that uh, I, I think needs to dictate everything about my career and my life and everything. Um, yeah. And that's fair. I have absolutely no problem with that because it, it really shouldn't. But in the end, I think where I came to understand it is when you're in a space where people like us are still very rare, uh, less rare than it used to be, but still rare. I think there's a part of that push and pull that has pulled towards being more public about it because we are doing it not just for ourselves, but we're doing it for the people who come after us because this, this space needs to be more diverse. Every element of sports media needs to be more diverse. And if us being a little public about it can make that work, then I think that we've done our job. You know, And it doesn't have to be, and however you express your queerness, your outness is up to you. It's what you feel comfortable with. And both of us are, you know, cis, straight presenting white guys who are also out. You know, so our experience is going to be different than somebody else. And we've inter- I've interviewed some people like that on this show. And, you know, for, for them it might be different. But for us, I just think just making, making that a part of the furniture is something that at times I don't think helps because we are doing it also for the betterment of our industry. And... If you're working in sports media, there is a part of you that cares deeply about the industry and making sure it gets better, right? Because when you work in it, you know all of the problems, all of the foibles, all of the issues, and you're exposed to it on a daily basis. And to me, being out and talking about it and doing this podcast has, has taught me that the more I can talk about this, the more we can better, in this specific sense, sports media. And that's something that I like as part of what I do. And I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's definitely something that I've thought of. And it's, been, it's become something that I, I, I enjoy. And it's become something that I've thought about consciously a lot more after I came out particularly. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I'm not nearly as belligerent as I used to be on social media. Um, but I, I, for a long time, I was like not, not at all afraid of just, you know, barging into somebody's mentions and saying, what the hell are you doing? You're an idiot. Um, because I do want this to be a, a good space and a better space. Um, I, I, I do want sports media to be a place that is not just, you know, the old boys club where they only talk about the, the big hits and the big plays and they don't talk about the other stuff happening within sports. Cause I, cause I do think that sports is a wonderful lens through which we can explore just society in general. Um, I, I think it's it's a wonderful lens through which we can examine politics and labor and, you know, gender politics and sexuality and all that kind of stuff, because it's all there. Um, you just don't want to you just have to want to see it. Basically, you have to want to talk about it. And I think it's important that we do talk about it. I think it's important that we do talk about, you know, whether it's Carl Nassib coming out or what it would be like for a gay major leaguer to come out or, you know, even things like, you know, living conditions in the minor leagues or human trafficking from from getting players out of Latin America and, you know, breaking the rules and, and making on a table 13 year olds. Um, like that's all things that need to be talked about. 
And those are all things that we can use as a lens to, through which to view the wider society as a whole. Because you know what, like, like the like the the, the Astros and every other major league team wouldn't be making crazy deals with 12 year olds in Latin America. If it wasn't, you know, a part of a larger socially acceptable, unfortunately, um, business practice that at least not, not socially acceptable widely, but within the, the, the lens of, I want to make a gazillion dollars. And yeah, that's what people are doing. Um, because, you know, we could talk about that and that, that leads into larger things. Okay. What are other businesses doing? What, what are the, what are the diamond industry doing? What is Nestle doing with, with slave labor? Um, it all ties together, and I think sports is a wonderful lens through which we can explore that. But again, you just have to want to do it, which is why I gave people like June June Lee, who wrote the story about um, Kieran Lovegrove, and has been wrote a story early in the season about how crappy the Angels are treating the minor leaguers and other 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 writers who are covering this stuff. I give them so much credit for doing that because it's what's been missing for this for a long time. Um, you do have certain writers I'm not going to name who do talk out of both sides of their mouth of this kind of stuff, um, where they will talk about the the abuses and the things that are wrong and then deify the people who are perpetrating those abuses on the next day um and that bothers me but at least they're talking about it at, at all um but i think we have a long way to go but it's getting better and um yeah i want to get kieran on the show i don't want to jinx it but i want to interview him quite badly as you might have figured out based on how i identify and how he identifies and the thing that I've, I found interesting about this baseball discussion about how horrible the treatment of minor leaguers has been, do you think that it has something to do with how we romanticize baseball in a way? You know, how we talk about the minor league baseball experience, the coming up through the minor leagues, that boys on the bus kind of thing, right? And how in popular culture we've kind of romanticized it, which kind of obfuscated all of this that's just been going on for a very long time that is now very much in focus because there's a new CBA being negotiated in baseball, that's part of it, but also because of the pandemic and how we've reevaluated a lot in life because of the pandemic. Do you think that that romanticism of, you know, baseball in a way has contributed to how minor league baseball players live in poverty? Um, yes, and I, I, I will say that um, romanticism, um, romanticism and nostalgia are both wonderful methods of control um which is deployed throughout all of our daily lives and um american society writ large and yes minor league baseball included um because minor league baseball is nothing if not another way for rich guys to get even richer um yes it absolutely has con has contributed because you know you 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 hear about oh he grinded it out he he, he stuck with it he was he was such a gamer, yada, yada, yada. You have to pay your dues before you get called up, um, which is all crap. Um, but, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, really. It is. I just wanted to bring no, no, it no, up no, because we're part what, of this discussion writ no, large. No, I had to ask yeah, it. Yeah, no, what I'm about to say is a whole other podcast. Um, of course it is. Um, the rise and grind, you have to pay your dues kind of thing. Um is very much a like i said it's a method of control but it's also kind of this very much kernel of the american mindset where it's not just in baseball where 
you see people getting upset by the idea of, oh, we had it so hard, now they're getting everything handed to them, and, and, and they're, they're not going, they're not, they're not paying their due, they're not going through all the stuff that I had to go through to get to where I am now. So it means they're not going to be as good as I am. They're going to be soft, all that stuff. That that that's it's very much a an alpha, you know, um, masculinity kind of thing in sports, but it's also representative of, of again of American society writ large. You see this you see this with the um the discussion about eliminating student debt, where people who are older will say, Oh my god, I paid off all my student loans. I, I it was so hard, I went through so much trials and tribulation and it was so much money that I came out of my pocket to pay off my student loans and now we're just gonna wipe it all away. These kids are gonna be totally ungrateful. Why should they have to get it all thrown away when I had to pay everything out? And like the whole idea of making something better for people who come after you is very foreign to a lot of what American ethos um, projects. Um, a, a lot of a lot of American ethos and, and you can even tie this just capitalism in general um, is very much you should have to suffer for X amount of time and for with X amount of suffering before you get good things. And I think that the sooner we can move away from that entirely, the better. You're right, and with minor league baseball, it's something I've thought about, and it's kind of been why I've maybe subconsciously been like, do I really want to do minor league baseball broadcasting? Do I, do I want to be part of that? And I've kind of thought, like, there's a part of me that's also like, wait, do the minor league broadcasters get paid more than the players? And you're not getting paid a lot in minor league baseball, but, like, are the broadcasters getting paid more than the players? And if, and if that's true, and I haven't gone in and looked into that, but then you're just but, like, but like, okay, but like, but like, you're, like, you're, like, like, you're living right now, um, the same is true of media too, because like a Definitely lot of a lot of people in media will say you have to go out into the cornfields and and work fifteen jobs for five for five bucks a day and write ten ten thousand stories a day because that's what I did and why the hell aren't you doing it? And that's partly because of the way the, the media industry is monetized and the way that um, local media is being leached off and shriveling away. And there's only five people working at the keep the newspaper lights on, basically, um, unless you work at the Times or the Washington Post. Um, and it sucks, and it shouldn't be like that. No, it shouldn't be like that at all. Like this is the same the same uh, conversation with with unpaid internships. Where like I did three unpaid internships in college. I I had to sleep on the floor. Yada yada yada. Why aren't you doing that? Because it sucks. Because you shouldn't have it's to terrible. do that. It's, it's terrible. It's really, it, really bad, and you shouldn't have to do it. It's terrible that you went through that. You shouldn't have had to go through that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're right. Um, but I think it's come of it comes with this minor league baseball discussion because it is definitely more in focus now than it has ever been. I don't think it's ever not been something people talked about, but it's definitely now a much, much bigger issue. And I'm glad it is because you read these stories and you go, I don't know how anybody could read what June Lee has written and go, yeah, that's good. We should keep on doing that. It's terrible. And I'm glad that, I mean, hey, we also got somebody coming out through it, which, I again, that's Kieran's story, and I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. Um, but in, in general, I want to talk about, you know, your perspective of where you feel this discussion is about out people in baseball. We're seeing more. I mean, it's not like they don't exist. Billy Bean exists. You know, there are other people out there. There are people in front offices that are out, but it's very, very small in comparison to the wider baseball world. The diversity is getting better in baseball, but it's happening slowly. I mean, it took until 2021 to have a female GM, and it took her 30 years of working in baseball front offices to get it, which it shouldn't have taken that long. 
whatever you think about the Marlins. But for this, for us, for out people in the sport of baseball, there's clear improvement. But where do you think they need to go next for on all levels of the sport to get this to be in a better place and to build on the momentum that we have seen, smaller, you know, whatever you may think of somebody like Kieran coming out, even as he's retiring, but to build on some of that momentum because there is something here that we can build on for this sport. And so I want to know what you think we can all do, whether we're covering it or we're working in it, to, to push that along. Because when you have a moment like this, you can't squander it. So there's, there's, two, there's two layers to this. The first and foremost is just like everybody seems to be better. Like just be better. Um, whether that's be better about who you hire, be better about who you implement on the coaching staff, be better about um, – the messages you're spreading through your training practices or your, you know, all just, just be better. Um, don't hire crappy people um, who are going to be homophobic and misogynist and racist or whatever. Just, you, you simply do not have to hire them. Um, the second part of it in terms of just how you address, address it uh, like, uh, just from the ground up is it can't just happen through baseball. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you were talking about with Carl Nassib kind of just becoming part of the furniture. Um, that is a cultural thing writ large. That That is that is the, the macro of American culture reflecting upon the NFL and Carl Nassib, um, which needs to kind of jump into with baseball, too, because a lot of baseball culture, like we talked about, whether, whether it's, you know, you don't, don't show up your opponent, don't flip your bat, don't, 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 don't do this, don't do that, don't do anything but be white. Um, that is implemented and ingrained in kids from very young age in youth baseball and little league or travel ball or whatever, or their high school teams, their college teams, all that. Um, so it needs to start from that level. It needs to be a thing that whether you know, you learn it when you're in little league or you learn it when you're, you know, you know, that you get signed by the big league team and you go into their, the academy in the Dominican Republic or whatever. It, it, it can't be this hyper-masculine, hyper-alpha, hyper, you know, heteronormative, you know, homophobic crap. Um, you know, you, you, you need to nip it in the bud early. You don't have the kids in the dugouts calling each other, you know, the F word. Um, stuff like that. Um, that's the only way it, it really gets dressed, whether it's homophobia in baseball, whether it's toxic masculinity in baseball, whether it's the awful racial politics of baseball it needs to start from the ground up um and there's certainly a lot of things that major league baseball can do to make that happen they've they've, they've had a lot of fingers in you know little league and youth baseball and making sure youth baseball comes back in certain parts of the country um and that's great and that seems to be part of the, those efforts mm -hmm. i have to ask you this because it is it's baseball and we talk about uh pride nights what do you think of those I have very mixed feelings, incredibly mixed feelings. Um, so as a Yankees fan, um, the Yankees were, I think, maybe one of two or three teams to not have Pride Night in up until 2019, I think. Um, and what they did was they established something called the uh, Stonewall Scholars Foundation, whatever, um, that they've awarded to a few 
uh, kids within the city every year from then from then on, um, and that's their Pride Night, quote unquote. They don't they don't have a, like an actual like. I think they finally had like a designated Pride Night this year, or it was I forget the, I forget if they actually called it Pride Night or not, um, but there were like there was like you know rainbow flag imagery on the the, the wraparound video boards on the, the grandstand and stuff, um, which is you know okay cool. Um, then I, a bit like, I, I know who runs the Yankees. I know who owns the Yankees. I know who is in positions of power than the Yankees. Um, like to hear the things that come out of Randy Levine's mouth and then like go to pride at a Yankee stadium, there's a bit of a cognitive dissonance there. Um, like one of the things that they did during pride month was like highlight the great things the NYPD is doing and, and making sure that they're, they bring in gay cops and, uh, you know, teaching cultural sensitivity to, 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 the, to, the, to the NYPD. And, like, man, like, do you know what Stonewall was? Like, do you know what happened at Stonewall? Um, do you know that, like, the Pride Parade in New York finally straight up disinvited the NYPD um, and then they still beat the crap out of people on Pride Day, like, like to this very year? They did that this year. Um, it's kind of gross. I mean, I've, I've never been to an MLB Pride Night. I have been to... An MLS Pride Night. I went to Pride Night um, at uh, a Red Bulls game a few years ago. I didn't even know it was Pride Night. Um, or maybe I, 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 I learned that, like, I had the tickets and then I learned that, like, um, a week or so in advance. Because a, a couple of my friends are, like, literally card-carrying soccer hooligans. They're part of the uh, the supporters group with the Red I Bulls. I am a card-carrying soccer fan myself. Not a hooligan, but I am a card-carrying soccer person. I'm um, watching Italy, Spain as we speak. So, but, like, they're, they're in the supporters section doing all the songs and everything and, like, getting trash for the game which i do with them from time to time because it's really really fun i love it um i love soccer culture in general it's great it's awesome um and so i went to pride at at red bull arena and red bull is this giant multinational conglomerate that is all about what makes them money and um all that stuff but they did it the right way man like it, it just it felt right um i think part of it was being in the supporter section because the uh the red bull supporters groups are actually like ridiculously progressive um, like they were like displaying like anti-fascist messages on their, their, their scarves and everything a few years ago. Um, they're awesome. Um, they had the big flags they were waving around, which is really cool. Um, that was a good night. Um, like they had, like, they gave away like these like little sunglasses with like, the Red Bull logo and rainbow on the side, the little arms that go on your ears and stuff. Um, which it's a little plastic tchotchke, but it was, it was nice. Um, that felt really good. And I will say that I think there are some major league teams that kind of do Pride Night the right way, um, where it's not just about tokenism, where it's about actually, like, doing Pride Night. You know what I mean? Um, and, like, I was going through this, like, this in a song, like, I was talking uh, talking about it out loud on Twitter once, where it's like, I know that the Yankees do not give a damn that I am not straight. They don't give a damn that... Um, that like, I, I know who people within positions of power that the Yankees donate to. I know who they support. I know what they say in the papers sometimes. Um, but I still feel sad that they're not capital, like, really, like, cynically, capitalistically pandering to me, which uh, which upset me even more in a way. Like, why am I sad about that? Um, but, you know, I, I guess part of being accepted in American society is being, like, deemed worthy of being pandered to. Um by capitalism and um 
I don't know. I was a little upset that the Yankees didn't even consider me worthy of that pandering. And then when they finally started rolling out some pride stuff, I was like, okay, that's nice. Um, it's not where I think it should be. Um, like, ironically enough, like the Mets do a pretty good pride night from what I understand. Yes. Um, yes. And, like, and it's very funny to me that the Mets do it. Like, and, it, like, well. and, and it was still like that good when the Wilpons on the team. <laughs> and, like the Wilpons are like, I mean, like, like these. Like, if you're tr- losing to Fred Wilpon and you're losing, by the way, congratulations to Major League Soccer. I hope Don Garber's listening to this or whoever's running the Red Bulls. Congratulations, you you have succeeded here, which I find really funny because most Red Bulls fans don't like their team right now. But that's neither here nor there. Um, oh, no, they suck. Right. But they, they suck. But it, it's really funny. Yeah, but they suck. <laughs> but but like the thing, like you, you well, we're going to start wrapping this up soon. But the Dodgers, of course, they have somebody in a position of power that is gay, and you know that helps. You know, other teams have done it right as they've just started to evolve. It just happened naturally. You know, and Pride Nights don't really change the paradigm. It's not changing the culture deep within the minor league systems. And obviously, every minor league team does a gay as a does a Pride Night at this point, but. I mean, we've talked about it. Pride Nights are not necessarily going to be anything other than getting butts into seats and handing out T-shirts. But it's a lot more than that, and it should right. be. Like, and the and, good teams that do Pride Night well do more than that. And the Yankees are clearly not one of them. But, you know, if you can figure that out and you can strike that balance, then, you know, I, I don't think that it's impossible for Major League Baseball teams to do that. I don't think it's impossible for minor league teams to do it. No, it's not. Like, like from like I, again, from what I understand, from what I've gathered to see online and what talking to people, like – the A's and the Mariners are two teams that do it very well. Um, like they, it's like a, they they do like actual things, like just like within the community, in addition to like having Pride Night. Um, and you talk about minor league baseball; every minor league team has it. Um, but like you see, you see tweets sometimes like promotions, like oh, like we're gonna play ABBA all night. Like no, stop! <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> stop! No, that's, you, that's, no that's... <laughs> you cannot play Lil Nas X and tell me it's Pride Night. I'm sorry. no, I'm not no. giving you that. Um, no, like, 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 there's still a long way to go there. Um, like, again, thank you for considering me being worthy of being pandered to. Um, but no, not like that. Um, it, it's, a, it's a whole other discussion. We've had discussions on Pride Night, and we will continue to do so because it's something that's going to pop up more. And people are going to think, hey, we're doing the right thing. And it's like, well, y- y- your heart's in the right place, maybe. But there's a lot more you've got to do. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. We could have these discussions for a very long time. But I want to finish on this, Nick. For, and, of course, thank you for coming on. It is for you, we've seen two players, one who is about to retire and one who is still active in a very low level, but still great to see, Brian Ruby, who's an awesome dude, uh, come out. And that's, again, took the number of professional baseball players who came out from three to five in a matter of a month. Do you feel like the sport's heading in the right direction? Do you feel like the people who cover the sport – are heading in the right direction in terms of this uh do as a pessimist by nature you probably will say no but do you feel like there is something to be optimistic about in terms of change for out people in the sport of baseball um for this specific thing yes i think baseball is headed in the right direction um overall no not at all um but in in terms of you know social progressivism yes i i think you know in fits and starts um kicking and screaming it's being dragged in the right direction um as a whole no i think baseball is a mess and i i I, the strike next year is gonna be great um but um in this specific context yes i i think ever so slowly it's moving in the right way did you feel what was your you know this is the last question before we get out of here did you feel joy seeing those stories of people coming out publicly (sighs) play baseball or was it just one of those things where you're just like 
why did it take so long or is it couched in something else um i don't know if joy is the right word i think i i was happy to see it i was glad to see it um i guess, I guess i'm one of those people who are like I, I'm glad that these stories are finally emerging. I am resentful of the fact that, like, I have to, like, be glad about that. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I'm resentful. Like, 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 I don't want to have to, like, have everything be – I don't want – like, this shouldn't have to be an event. You know what I'm saying? Like, it should just be a thing that, like, oh, you're not straight. Cool. Next, like you know, like you know what I mean? Like, like I, like I, I don't think like it should. Not, not again. Not to minimize the, the weight of coming out, especially as a professional athlete in a public context. All of that that's, that's enormous, and and all the credit in the world. I am resentful of the fact that like we're still in a place where like this is a thing, and like this we're still in a place where, um, this has to be a big media event or a story or or something noteworthy when it should just be. Like, I look forward to the day when coming out is not a scary thing. I look forward to the day when it's not like they, whoa, there's a gay professional athlete. Like, like I, I look forward to that day. I, I can't wait for that day where, where it's not a, like, a exclamation point kind of thing where it's just, oh, okay. Hey, you and me both. You and me both. Uh, Nick, where can people find your work? Um, right now I'm editing for um, the FTN network of sites where, where you do uh, – um, Fantasy stuff, daily fantasy, uh, sports gambling um, content. Um, in the past, I've written at NBC Sports, at The Athletic, at Fangraphs, at Baseball Prospectus, and other places. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Stellini Tweets, S-T-E-L-L-I-N-I Tweets. Um, and yeah. I enjoyed your tweets last night, even if it was out of your own suffering, because sometimes the best content comes when people are sad. <laughs> that's, that's me making all the Urban Meyer jokes, basically. Uh, and you're also very smart about baseball, and I learned a lot from you, and I learned a lot from – you learn a lot from Yankees fans watching the team go up and down, so. All right, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I enjoy – hey, listen, I will support queer people in sports however I can, even in the weirdest ways possible. Thank you again, Nick, for joining us. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Bye.